Good evening and welcome to yet another episode of Hitting for the Cycle. I'm your host, Hank and Nictor, and as usual, we got a lot to talk about and a lot to digest this week. There was a lot of crazy things happening. You had the Yankees, the Mets, Jacob DeGrom get another historic performance, and of course, a crazy series that transpired between the Dodgers and the Padres. But before we get into all, the, all that, as usual, I'd like to encourage you to please give us a follow on all our forms of social media, Facebook and Instagram at review and preview sports in addition i also strongly encourage you to subscribe to our youtube channel at review and preview sports and without further ado let's get into the crosstown recap of the mets and the yankees and i'm actually going to be start off starting off with the mets first because we have our guest at backstage dom Danielli. he will be joining us soon to talk about the yankees and of course a lot of the other events going on in baseball but anyways as i said let's get to the mets right now They've been kind of up and down this season. I know they're still in first place right now, but, you know, there, there's been a lot of complaining among the Mets fans and among, like, a lot of people. But let's talk about the Nats series. Game one, Jacob deGrom pitched nine shutout innings. He only allowed two hits while striking out 15 in a 6 nothing Mets win. And, you know, I really don't know what else you can say about Dick, Jacob DeGrom that hasn't been said already. He is absolutely filthy. A 0.31 ERA, I don't care how early in the season it is, that is extremely impressive. And, you know, I think it's not even just him. The Mets pitching has definitely been one of their strong points this season. And that's probably one of the reason, big reasons. Actually, no, it's the reason why they're in first place, I would say. And... You know, the the thing that's been even more impressive, he drove in yet another run. He's got a 534 batting average. Unreal. Of course, game two, the Nationals would bounce back with a 7-1 win. Yadiel Hernandez, who's really a good story. He waited a long time to come to the majors. He's a 33-year-old rookie. He went two for four. He had a run scored in a pair of RBIs, but obviously the Nats touched up Marcus Stroman for a 7-1 win. But in game three, the Mets, of course, would bounce back. Tom Walker pitched seven shutout innings to lead the Mets to a 4-0 victory. And then we get to the Red Sox, the start of their series against the Boston Red Sox. The Mets, obviously, they went up against a pitcher, Garrett Richards, who he had been struggling as of late. He was another Red Sox acquisition that I guess could be looked at as a Band-Aid. Him and he, despite having a 6.5 ERA, the Mets struggled to hit this guy. They did get a Jeff McNeil home run, but really unable to get any more than that. And so... When you look at the Mets as of right now, there's a really a lot you can digest. I mean, obviously their offense has struggled as of late. 
Francisco Lindor is batting only 212 with two extra base hits this season. Dom Smith is, has been five for 33 lately. James McCann's four for 22, although he's been a solid defensive catcher behind the plate. But hitting wise, he's he's kind of been in the slump. Kevin Pilar is three for 23, and although Conforto's he got it off to a rough start too, but I see he's kind of turning around lately. But as you can tell, the Mets have been struggling with the bat. Only three runs per game. That's dead last in the league right now. And the the runners in scoring position at batting average is 193. So it leads to a question. Are the Mets a team that's overhyped or do they have yet to peak? And I don't really think that they're I, I, looking at them on paper. They're extremely talented. Like roster wise, this might be one of the more talented teams that I've seen so far. You know, I, I think I still don't think they've peaked yet. I think. They have a lot of guys in their lineup. Francisco Lindor, we know he's getting off to a slow start. And while, and while, of course, I think the booing has been uncalled for, I think he'll eventually turn things around. And obviously, you got Nimmo, who's been another solid hitter. Nimmo, McNeil, Conforto, and Pete Alonzo starting to rebound. So I think overall, the Mets will be just fine. I don't think really, I don't really think there's a lot to worry about. We got a comment from Tom. What's up, Hank? How's it going, Tom? Good to see you today. Looking forward to talk. Looking forward to catching the draft with you and Andy Hopper and Sam Cardona on the Brew Party tomorrow night. I'm also looking forward to talking about the Giants with you on uh, on review and previews, second round draft special. That'll be Friday night. A lot of good stuff to look forward to there. And um, yeah, it, it's definitely been an interesting week, to say the least, for the Mets. I think they'll they'll be fine. And uh, now, of course, we got to get to the Yankees. And um, you know, Game One against Cleveland Indians. Games one and two were pretty similar in that both times they were down three, nothing pretty early. Domingo Herman was called back up. He was given another shot. And after a rough beginning, he gave up three runs, but of course he settled down afterwards. Did not give, give up anything more after and Glaber Torres had an RBI single in the third. Rough Neto give gave them the lead in the second inning and helped the Yankees to a big comeback six, three win game two, John Carlos Stanton. I looks like he's starting to wake up. He hit two bombs, to lead them to a five, three win. And then game three, you had Garrett Cole striking out 11 in seven innings, which was very vital. And it's safe to say that without Garrett Cole, the Yankees are in rough shape because he has been, he's been the ace that they signed him for. And if everyone else in that rotation could pitch as well, I think they would definitely be much better off. But, you know, we'll see what happens. And uh, game, game four, as much as I wanted the Yankees to get three out of four, I think the way they lost this game was pretty rough because they had a three run. They had a three run third inning where Gio Urshela hit a big two run homer or Gio Urshela and Mike Ford went back to back, took a three nothing lead. But unfortunately, oh, no, excuse me. It was the fourth thing. But unfortunately, Jamison Tyon struggled a bit afterwards. Fran Mil Reyes went three for four. His big three run home run was the big blow that gave the Indians lead. And of course, it did not really help. They put in Nick Nelson an inning later, gave the Indians a six to three lead, and of course, the Indians needed that win because they avoided the sweep. And then we look at the Baltimore series; they struggled to hit against Matt Harvey, and we know Matt Harvey's had his ups and downs. He's really fallen after that hot start with the Mets, and it'll be interesting to see how he does with the Orioles. But the Yankees had a controversial call happen: an RBI double was hit in the in the top of the eighth, one run scored, but Judge was on first base when that happened, and he was trying to go to third, being very bold, but then he was thrown out. And, of course, the controversy was Clint Frazier had scored that run before Judge was tagged out. But despite this, the umpires did not give him the run. 
Aaron Boone was going out of the dugout and flipping. He, he was going nuts about this. However, with that being said, the big problem with the Yankees in this game, they did not hit. And as much as you want to complain about the umpire's call, I think they dug their own grave. And however, in game two of the series, they rebounded. They got some big home runs from, from Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. Six and two so- third solid innings from Corey Kluber. They split the series, and it gave Corey Kluber his first win in pinstripes. Unfortunately, the big news of this was Mike Talkman was traded to the San Francisco Giants, which I think was pretty shocking because he was one of the – he was definitely one of the better hitters the Yankees had, and he, he's not a guy that you'd see hitting home runs, but definitely been very productive. So something I did not really expect, but oh well. And at, with that all having been said, having talked about the Yankees – we're going to bring our guest on the show, Dom Danielli from Stamford, Connecticut, hardcore Yankees fan. Dom, how's it going? Good, Hank. How are you? I, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, the Yankees have kind of been driving me a little bit nuts, but, you know, it is what it Same is. Um, how have you been feeling? What's your overall thoughts on them after, like, this weekend when they've taken three out of three? I think that was a pretty huge win. You know, they definitely needed a little bit of momentum coming off that bad sweep of the Tampa Rays. And yeah, split yeah, it's it's encouraging. At the same time, though, still seeing them get shut down by Matt Harvey was pretty frustrating. And you know, it's still the bats are still trying to wake up. I guess I don't, I don't know what's been going on. Hopefully, they could turn it around. But so far, I'm a little, I'm a little better than before, but still a little frustrated. Yeah, no, it's it, it really is because you look at the bat, the guys in their lineup, they're definitely capable of doing damage whenever possible. I hate to borrow a phrase from from Brian Cashman a couple years ago, used on another team, if you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, no, I think they definitely will. There's a lot. There isn't a lot of great pitching in the American League. It's still relatively early in the season. However, there is very much room for concern. Of course. And uh, we actually got a comment from uh, Tom. The Yankees. I mean, yeah, why not? I think that would probably help them for sure. Right. But Wing, I mean, hey, it helped Babe Ruth, I'll tell you that. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know how many beaches he went on with Wings, but um, yeah, no, I think one of the – what do you think of Stanton? He, I think he's starting to wake up a little bit. I mean, these are good signs. I mean, he's, he's still betting 205. At the same time, though, he's heating up. And, you know, just any type of good sign from Stanton is a good thing. I He's – I mean, granted, it's the Orioles. At the same time, it's just – it's fun to actually see him hitting bombs. So hopefully he can start getting going too. I'd also like to see him hitting well in big games with fans in the stands, if you know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. But, um, you know, another thing that's really been a, another thing I want to talk about, I'm not going to even try to argue that he is the best pitcher in the league. I'm not even going to, and heck, I'm not even going to try to argue that he's the best pitcher in his own city because, I think we know who that is. That argument is over and done with, out the window. It's all done. That's all. That's all the ground. But with that having been said, Garrett Cole, I think he's he's even more valuable right now than we realize because you look at that game against Cleveland, eleven strikeouts in seven innings. I would have loved to see him pitch more, but of course the pitch count. You want to be careful with that. So, you know, it is what it is. But I'm I'm very happy with the way he's pitched. Like I said. This is a guy who is a stopper, and that's exactly what they paid him the big bucks for. Yep, and it was it just shows too how dire it was because 
Yes, you're giving him a ton of money. You're giving a pitcher a ton of money who doesn't play every day. At the same time, though, look, what would the Yankees be without Garrett Cole? We would have so many question marks in that rotation. I would have, we wouldn't really have anyone that's completely reliable. Cole is the guy. Having him is going to make the rotation better, giving guys confidence. And like you said, what he did against Cleveland, his stuff was filthy. He looked electric. And that's what you expect from Garrett Cole. I mean, yeah. I'm hoping. Oh, sorry. All good. Sorry, um, still, Jamison Tyon, there's, there's some flashes of like three, four innings of him looking great. And then it's just kind of everything kind of implodes. Kluber finally had a great outing. So, you know, it's, it's nice that he finally peaked over five innings. Hopefully that continues. But still, just so many question marks. It's early in the season. At the same time, you know, once again, just so many question marks around this rotation. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, I, I think the rotation will be fine. I don't think it's as much of a problem as people might might be seeing. And I know that might be a little crazy that I'm saying. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's a spectacular rotation by any stretch. Mm-hmm. But we know what Corey Kluber is capable of doing. I mean, obviously, you're not going to – Corey Kluber with Cleveland, we're not going to see that anymore. He's obviously yeah. on the wrong side of 30. The velocity isn't isn't going any higher. But I think eventually over the course of the season, he's probably going to learn how to pitch smartly, if, if you know what I'm saying. It's yeah, kind of like Andy Pettit later in his career, basically. And like CeCe as well. Yes, exactly. And Jamison Tyon, I think, is the one that I'm like more confident will turn around going forward because – Garrett Cole knows him very well. He has seen that he can absolutely turn it around. So it'll be interesting to see. And, you know, I think it's important that both of those guys step it up because let's face it, as much as you're, as much as we're looking forward to seeing Severino coming back and don't get me wrong, I am too. You can't necessarily bank on the fact that he is going to 100% be all the way back from his injury. Like Tommy John's are kind of hit or miss, you know, and uh, and we got a little, by the way, we got a little score update from Tom. The Red Sox are up one nothing on Degrom. Wow. Hopefully, yeah, no, that's crazy. I'm obviously we need I'm the Mets. Dom, I know you're in an unfamiliar position rooting for the Mets, but um, yep. I think most Yankee fans are. But we we need them to win this one. And he's got another funny comment too. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the red hair and and the pale skin. Yeah, I I guess it sounds about right. I think. A lot of people burn easily like that. But, yeah, um, I don't know if you saw his interview with MLB Network today, but Clint Frazier admitted that he didn't even know that Mickey Mantle wore the number seven. How does that make you feel? Okay, I hope that's not true. I hope that's just something. I really hope he's kidding about that because if <laughs> I if mean, he was true, laughing, but it seemed like he was serious about it. <laughs> okay, if he's serious, someone needs to smack that, smack that guy upside the head, and he needs to learn a lot about baseball history because Mickey Mantle is one of the best center fielders of all time. Greatest switch hitter, too, in baseball history, I might yeah. add. Like, Mickey Mantle is pretty important, with that, without a doubt. I don't, and especially to the team you're playing for, if you're on the Yankees, you got a lot to learn. Yeah. If, if you're well, I mean, stuff He like admitted that. before he, before he was traded to the Yankees, he admitted that he didn't know, he knew obviously who Mickey Mantle was, but didn't know that he wore the number seven. But that's still, to me, that's tough. Like, when you know yeah, a baseball no, player, you I, always associate, like, you know Babe Ruth, you know he wore number three. You, you know, like, I feel like the number always associates with the last name, but I mean, teaches. It's just like, it's like with history. I think I feel like, you know, me, I love history. Like whether it be baseball or whether it be American history, I think it's something that's very important. And with that, having been said, Clint, go study up, man. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I Tom, Tom's giving you some more uh, shade from the peanut gallery, by the way. (laughs) 
Hey, I mean, all I'll say is I I just love what the Marlins have been doing. I think they have a bright future. That's all I'll say about them. No, I, look, I don't disagree. I think the ownership situation between now and where Jeff Loriel is, it was, is night and day different. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny. You could even argue that Derek Jeter screwed the Yankees, but that's a tangent for another day. Yep. You and, know, you know, and you know exactly where I'm going with that. <laughs> and you and you look at what they're doing now. If you look at what they did to like focus on the rebuild, they clearly focus on pitching. Their rotation is if you look at it. I mean, Pablo Lopez is very good. Sandy Alcantara is very good. Sixto Sanchez has yet to pitch this year, but we saw what he did last year. And you know he's got the stuff. And he's clearly supposed to be their number one guy in the future. Um, and even like their lineup too. I mean, look, Jazz Chisholm, he's he's electric. He's, he's he steals almost. I remember like one game this year. I watched. He stole two pay, two bases in the game. So, uh, and his bat's pretty good too. They have a lot of good pieces. I think they're a team to look out for in the future. I just like how they rebuilt this team. And you just remember the names that they had? They had Jose Reyes, at Hanley Ramirez, all those guys. It's crazy just to think of what they have now. And then they just blew that team up like within yep. like half the season. Yep. That that shows you how co- incompetent Jeff Loria was. Yep. And um, speaking of the Mets, let me get – or sorry, the Marlins. Let me get back to the Mets for a little bit because I – looking at them, I feel like there's like two different ways to look at, the, at them. You could look at, at them as being overhyped, obviously, because, you know, they haven't started out well. They aren't quite playing up to their potential. But with that having been said, the hitters like still haven't like heated up yet. I still don't really think they've quite peaked yet. And even then, their pitching is still like really good, like – not yes. just DeGrom. Taiwan Walker has an ERA of 2.25. Yep. And Stroman's at 2.14. This is pretty stable. And let's not forget, Carlos Carrasco is not is coming back soon. And they're, they're still waiting on, on Thor to come back from his injury. So yeah. I don't really think they're in bad shape at all. I think I think eventually they'll start to turn around. However, I do think booing Francisco Lindor, their fans, that's in it. That's pretty inexcusable. Then again, I shouldn't really talk, be talking because Yankee fans kind of do the same thing whenever a new player gets in a bit of a slump. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. And, you know, once again, just like every other team, it's early. And if you look around baseball, it's like, once again, all time, all time high with like low batting average, high strikeout rate. So, I mean, and look at our, our lineup, too. This is one of the worst batting average teams where we, we were ranked dead last. And this is one of the worst like hitting teams in a while that we have statistically. Um, I mean, I feel like almost every, everywhere around the league, everyone's had a slow start. And, you know, to, to boo Lindor, I still stand by it. I think he's the best shortstop overall, all-around shortstop in the game. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, Tatis is phenomenal, but he still has a long way to go. He's still a young guy. But, I mean, Lindor, you know you could trust Lindor. He will get it going. And just like everybody else, like there's guys had slow starts. He will get it going. There's no reason to boo him. Oh, believe. Oh, yeah, I agree. And believe me, Todd, I, I think that definitely holds weight. It's very debatable because as much as I hate to admit it, Xander Bogarts is someone who I really think should deserve some consideration. You look at his batting average and you look how consistent he's been over the past yeah. few years. I feel like he hasn't been getting talked about enough, but I definitely can see the argument with Francisco Lindor. And I think Tatis will eventually live up to potential. You you know dang well I am a huge fan of Fernando Tatis. I'm, well, we both are, actually. But um, anyways... I- after that, um, Mets. After like bring up the Mets, let's go back to the Yankees for a little bit before we talk about the Padres. Actually, so and um, actually, let's answer Tom's question first. What's the deal with the NL East record? Seems they just beat each other up. But which team is the standout so far for you guys in the division? Um, I don't know. That's a really good question. I think yeah. maybe 
maybe the Mets, if only because I think their pitching staff is the strongest and even their bullpen's decent. Like I know yeah. it's not like elite, but like Edwin Diaz has definitely redeemed himself after a rough start in 2019. And even in 2020, I think he's really starting to turn it around. So I can see them being a possibility. I'm still not quite sure where to really put the Phillies, but I think maybe they can, they're a team that, that's really capable. Like, I think it depends on how their bullpen is because the one thing that cost them a playoff spot in a very easy road was was that was just that. Yeah, and we know that pitching low key is, is a pretty solid point. Noah and Wheeler are pretty are pretty good, you know. But yeah. I think the Nationals definitely are, are another team that can can bounce back after a slow start. I mean, you look at the lineup. I think Josh Bell was a sneaky good acquisition, as was as was Kyle Schwarber and. You know that Scherzer and Strasburg can turn it around, so I, th- I think there's them, but I'm still going to say the Mets, but just barely. I don't really have a clear answer. How about you? Yeah, that, that is a tough question, but I would say I would say it's the Mets only because how the roster is kind of stacked right now. They, they're set up the most for success, like you said, with their depth at starting pitching. They're still waiting on Syndergaard. They're still waiting on Seth Lugo, who is one of the best relievers in the game. You know? Um, yeah. I just think they have, they're just set up with so much talent on like Jonathan VR is a bench player for them. VR is capable of starting, you know, uh, I, I really like what, what, uh, Steve Cohen did with this roster. Uh, but I would say behind them, I would, I agree with you. I would honestly say the nationals. I only say the nationals because you cannot go wrong with starting pitching, you know? And once again, Corbin, I know he's had a rough start so far. Scherzer's looked great. Um, Strasburg, they, if you have those three guys, no matter what, if those guys get going and they reach a point where they start getting red hot, I think that lineup will pick it up too. And that's the team. I think that's right behind the Mets. I would rank it Mets nationals. I would say Philly's third. I'll be honest with you. I am not high on the Braves at all. Yeah, I agree. The Braves offense has been real, has been, as Joe Namath would say, struggling and I'm not (laughs) impressed with, I'm really not impressed with them so far, which it's really disappointing because they came within a game of going to the World Series last year. And, but hey, who knows? And, uh, yeah, another thing I didn't even, one thing I didn't even mention about the Nationals before I get back to that Yankee p- thing that I wanted to ask you. I mean, they don't even, they don't have Juan Soto. He's still injured. Once he yeah. gets back, I think that's, that's going to be another key boost to their lineup. He's one, he's another guy who's just scary. He's like kind of like Acuna. See, the thing is, I'm not saying I'm not high on the Braves saying that they're a bad team or anything. I just think in that division, it's going to be tough. If all of their young pitchers are going to have down years, their bullpen's going to implode besides Will Smith. I I don't know what that team can do. I I don't know. I I, I just don't really trust them as much as a team like the Nationals who have starting pitching. A team like the Mets have so much depth, you know? So that's why I would kind of put the Braves pretty low. Who knows? Maybe they'll turn it around. I think it's going to be close. Like Tom said, they're all beating up on each other. So we'll see. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, It's funny, Josh, my first guest in the first episode, he said that because they would be beating each other up, that was his reasoning as to why he thought the NL West would have two teams, not just because he might be a homer for his Giants, but no, I'm kidding. Josh, <laughs> if you're watching this, I, I totally get why you said that. The, and hey, the Giants are off to a good start, but we'll get to them later. And the, la- the last thing I wanted to ask you about the Yankees before we move on to the L.A. Dodgers-San Diego Padres series, which I've been really wanting to talk about, obviously, yes. all week, is I want to talk about game game one of the Orioles series. Now, we know, ob- of course, they struggled against Matt Harvey, and obviously there was that controversial call in, in the eighth inning. I'm trying to 
remember off the top of my head. Who was it that hit that double? It was G- – oh, no, it was Gio Rochelle. It was a single, actually. Oh, that's right. I'm, sorry, I'm having a brain fart right now. But Anyways, he hit a big RBI single. Clint Frazier would score on that. Judge ended up being thrown out at third. And, you know, there, there's a lot that really you can talk, look at with that play. I mean, I thought the second run should have counted. Don't get me wrong, because the replay showed the guy clearly touched the plate. Yeah. But with that having been said, Joe, uh, not Joe, Aaron Boone was <laughs> totally wrong. I wish it was still Joe Girardi, by the way. Same. But <laughs> Aaron Boone, I think, definitely was wrong in his postgame conference. He called the, um, he said the umpires bullied the Yankees. Yeah, first I don't know all, what that's about. First of all, if you're associated with the Yankees at all, and this is coming from a hardcore Yankee fan, you have no right to be accusing anybody of bullying you, considering the history of bullying every other team. Yep. Second of all, you haven't really been hitting all day. Is it really fair to complain about the umpire? I mean, I get it. They, that run should have counted, obviously. But with that having been said, you're still down by one. You're going into yeah. the ninth, and they couldn't even score then. Like, I don't think the umpire really affected the Yankees as much as you'd like to think. But at the same time, you know, he also didn't come out fast enough to challenge that. So yeah. at the end of the day, for Aaron Boone, that's his loss. Mm-hmm. What were you, what was your take on the play? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I think he was. I mean, I feel like that should have counted as a run. At the same time, though, like kind of like you said, Boone was just too late on that. And you know, I understand like. I think, to be honest with you, I think he tried to put on an act, too, to get thrown out to kind of, like, reinvigorate kind of what he did before to kind of, like, you know, my guys are savages in the box to get this team kind of riled up again. <laughs> I feel like he's trying to do so much to get these guys to care again that it's just not working, and these guys could see right through it, you know? Kind of like, kind of like you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm just – I'm frustrated by it, but at the same time, I'm still frustrated with kind of how Boone acted. And, and like you said, bullying? What do you mean by that? <laughs> I don't understand. And I, he's just getting frustrated with everything. Oh, no, I, I don't really know. He, he said he has a lot of odd sayings, like turning the, we're going to be turning the corner, which granted they actually did. But I, as you know, I like the guy as a person. I think, I think that uh, you can see why all the players like him, but at the same time, he's not a, he's not a guy that I, I still miss Joe Girardi. Yes, me too. Joe Girardi was a true leader. I don't see that in Aaron Boone. And obviously I, I'm still convinced, as I'm sure a lot of other Yankee fans who pay attention to the team by now know, I'm pretty sure Brian Cashman's the one that really manages this team. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to go on that tangent again. I think you're going to probably hear it about like a million times this season before I beat it to death. But <laughs> anyways, Tom says, I like Mike Ford. Yeah, you know, I like the I like some of the role players that come up big, you know, for the Yankees. Mike Ford's been pretty solid. What about you? I mean, I like him too. He's... It, what's nice is at least he's a lefty bat. Just nice to have there. Um, I mean, I don't. He's not going to be like. I don't think he's going to be a starter anytime soon. But you know, for right now, it's just nice to kind of have him in the lineup. Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree with that. And Lord knows, left-handed hitting is definitely something we need, especially, especially considering a guy they're trying to make number three should should not have been anywhere near that spot. But mm-hmm. I digress. That's it's been. I think we spent a good amount of time commiserating on the Yankees. Let's um, let's get to the series that I think you and I were really waiting to talk about all all night long. That is the Dodgers against the San Diego Padres. And 
Dom, I don't know about you, but I can't really remember a big series that I've looked forward to seeing for like ages. Like in a way, I'm not going to say it's Yankees Red Sox S from 2003 to 2005, but it had at least half as much of the hype, especially because of the Trevor Bauer drama and because of Fernando Tatis. And I'm just going to start off by saying, I really think this series is good for baseball, especially when you consider some of the personalities that were on each team. And to start, obviously we know the Padres won a pretty close game one Dodgers, they tied it on back-to-back home runs from A.J. Pollock and Sheldon Noisy. That was Noisy's first career home run, by the way. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think it wasted it wasted a good start from Weathers, who's one of their rookie pitchers. But at the very least, Tatis, he drove in the game-winning run, although not the way he would in, in later games of the series and not in the clutch way that you would think. It was an RBI ground-out double play. But, you know, that it was a big win for the Padres, who, let's face it, they needed this series because – they had just gotten swept by the Milwaukee Brewers. They couldn't hit Corbin Burns, who has been absolutely filthy this season. Yeah. Oh, 0.46 ERA. He hasn't even walked a guy and he's like got 40 something strikeouts. Like amazing. I don't think you, I don't think we've ever seen a start like that, mm-hmm. but um, game two. Now this is where the fun begins. Fernando Tatis hit two home runs to lead the Padres to a six to one win. And you, you know, I got a really good fun fact for you about that. Do you know that this happened on the 22-year anniversary of when his father, Fernando Tatis Sr., hit two grand slams in one inning? Same stadium. Amazing. It's it's just so cool how that could happen. You know, it just goes to show you, you really can't make up this stuff with baseball. And, you know, it's it's crazy. You can't even script it. And the baseball gods, I don't know. There's It's just something about them, you know? Yeah. It's really impressive. And... I'll tell you the crazier fact about Tati Sr.'s Grand Slams. Like, both of them came off the same pitcher. Might not remember him. He pitched for the Yankees briefly in 2010. Also pitched for the Mets briefly in 2007. Shanho Park. Shanho Park, yep. Yeah, no. A lot of a lot of great history. And, in fact, let me get, get you in on another tangent before I finish off this series. Uh, Vlad Jr., I don't know if you heard, he hit three home runs yesterday. Did you know that his father never did that in his career? I did not know that. Wow. Unreal. You know, it's, it's been a good week to be the son of a legend. I, I can tell you that. Yeah. Anyways, back to the series. We obviously had the two run, the two home runs. Game three. Now, this was obviously everybody's favorite part. Second pitch from Trevor Bauer. He hits it deep. And I just loved what he did rounding first base. <laughs> One eye open giving a little troll to Trevor Bauer and, you know, low key, I'm sure a lot of people were hoping it would lead to something in a bench clearing brawl. Not going to lie. Deep town. I kind of was too, because this is an insane <laughs> rivalry and, you know, those guys are, are good characters in the game, but yeah. you know, that didn't happen yet. Despite this, the Dodgers actually came back and won this game. This was the only game of the series that they won. Now, what stuck out to me was Trevor Bauer's comments after this. And, you know, I'm going to give you my honest opinion about Trevor Bauer. I haven't always, I'm not really too crazy about this guy. He's like, don't get me wrong. I love that he goes out promoting his brand on social media. I think it's cool that he has a YouTube channel. I just don't always like the way that he conducts himself on social (laughs) media. If you know what I'm saying? Like, I think sometimes he could be a little over obnoxious with fans on Twitter. So such and such. 
That being said, I loved what he said after the game. He said, I want to see more of this. People like Tati, well, to paraphrase it, he basically said, people like Tatis who celebrate are what's good for the game. I don't want to like throw at guys for doing something like that. Yeah. You know what? Big, much respect for that. Much respect because he's acknowledging that baseball needs more celebrations. And one of the reasons that I feel like people haven't been watching it is because baseball is one of those sports where like people just seem to frown frown upon those celebrations. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, Tatis. And, you know, it's funny. The reason that I, I re- really became such a fan of Tatis, I think you I think you might have become a fan of him at the same time as I did. The series when he hit that grand slam on that 3-0 pitch to make yep. a 7-0 game, 11-0. And Chris Woodward after that game goes, oh, you can't do that. We're losing by seven. This is part of the unwritten rules. I, like, no, that's ridiculous. Like. Yeah. The unwritten rules is one of the biggest, like, biggest shams. Like, it's just something the old heads say to, like, try to, like, tell, like, the younger guys, hey, don't do all that fun stuff. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, people who watch Tatis, especially the younger ones, love that stuff. Because, yeah, look at this. Like, I work I work as a day camp counselor. Like, if during baseball I see one of my kids doing that, I'm going to encourage that. I always <laughs> love to see them having fun and playing playing the games. Even I join in too because when people – when you're playing sports, you just want to have a sort of flair. When yeah. you're in the heat of the moment, you get excited. It's just how it is. It's human nature. Exactly. And I think Trevor Bauer was 100% right, and I loved what he said regarding that. Yeah, I loved what he said. That is – what he said is what I would like to see more pitchers kind of act like, you know, he said that he uh, it's kind of, it's cowardly sometimes, you know, guy hits a home run off you and you kind of throw at, throw at him the next time you see him come up to the plate. I mean, come on. I, I mean, I understand it. You know, he, the moment is kind of like, yeah, you know, I don't want to like, you're trying to tell yourself, you know, I'm going to be the good guy. I'm not going to throw at him, even though he pimped a homer off me. Like, but I mean, come on at the end of the day, it's, it's a game. You want to have fun. Yeah. Like I understand that sometimes feelings are hurt. People are offended by guys, you know, Pippin home runs doing backflips, but that's the whole point of it. it's a sport. It's a game. It's baseball. It's supposed to be fun. Guys like Tatis, guys like Bauer are doing things that are we don't see that often, and it's fun, you know. And that's what I love. Like I love what Bauer said because usually you have a pitcher kind of like after like after a game going to the uh, going to the presser and saying like yeah, you know, I'm like offended by that. I didn't like that. You know, next time I see next time we play them, there will be some more bad blood. No, Bauer was just like you know what I like that. I like that he did that. I want to see more of that. And I love that because you don't, not many pitchers are going to say that. And Bauer, you could say what you want, you know, Bauer does have a pretty loud personality. He's just out there doing what he wants to do. He doesn't really care what people think. He's going to, he's going to, you know, he's going to have his hand on his eye and just pitch with just one eye open, you know, but at the end of the day, I like it because it's different. It's just something different. It gets people talking. And that's what you want in baseball. You want vibrant personalities. I'm all for it. I love what Bauer said. I love what Tatis is doing, and I hope it continues. And like I said, kids imitate kids will imitate this stuff. And when you see players doing stuff like that, it shows you that it's a fun game. Yeah. And I truly believe baseball is fun, con- contrary to what a lot of people say. And you know what? Had had Trevor Bauer done the opposite, I would have gone in an epic rant shaming him and saying, Hey, what if if you're gonna if you're going to get butt hurt over people like celebrating, why don't you just not throw him a meatball down the plate? Like the Texas Rangers pitcher did that caused Chris Woodward to complain. You know what I'm saying? 
Yep, exactly. And we have a comment from Kevin DeRosa, one of our good friends from uh, NBC. Baseball desperately needs that type of energy from the new generation players like Tatis Jr. who want to show their emotion after a big play. Love to see it. 100% agree. Kevin, that comment is spot on. I 100% agree. And absolutely. And, of course, the fourth game was the ESPN Sunday night game of the week. And unreal. I don't know if you stayed up to watch the whole thing. I did. I I tend to watch a lot of Padres games. The Padres are one of those teams that made me glad that every year I purchased the MLB TV subscription, even though, even though I hate that they black out Yankee games. But again, that's a tangent for another day. <laughs> like that was an amazing game. They were down seven to one. And I, who was it that hit that big run, big home run? I think it was, um, I don't, I think it was, think it was no, it was noisy. I think it was noisy. With well, the Dodgers. Yeah. Yeah. No, Shel- it was either Sheldon noisy or AJ Pollock, probably noisy, but, Regardless, they took a 7-1 lead, and the Padres, you know, they didn't give up. They scored two in the seventh, two in the eighth, and two in the ninth, chipping away. And well, also, I forgot to mention, you know who had another home run that game? Tatis. Fernando Tatis. Exactly. And let me give you his line for the series. He went eight for eight. I think he went eight for 18 with five home runs and six RBIs. I've Amazing. never seen a player this dominant for, like, a big series. Well, yeah. Actually, no, that's kind of a stretch, but it's one of the more dominant performances I've seen in what was such a big, big series. And, you know, you, you would think it was September or October baseball. That's how insane Seriously, it was. yeah. And it's crazy, too. Like, I'm – like, some of these games are starting at 10 o'clock at night, and usually I'm not going to stay up. But, like, I can never – I can't remember the last time where I actually stayed up and couldn't wait to watch, like, a 10 o'clock West Coast baseball game. Dodgers and Padres is just must-see, must-see TV for a baseball fan. It's amazing stuff. It's been every single game has just been great. And especially like, you know, them coming back from a seven to one deficit against the Dodgers. Amazing. It's it's just amazing to watch. Yes. And I think it was Jake Cronenworth who drove in the go ahead run in the 11th inning. And yes. I will say this though, if there was one downside to that game, I think the downside was probably the fact that, you know, it's extra innings. There's a runner on second base. Yeah. Who thought that was a good idea. Oh, right, Rob Manfred. The, other than that, though, I don't think it really took away how dramatic those games were. And I think, in a way, I guess you could argue that the runner on second made it, like, put more pressure on those teams. But I don't know. Not it's, a fan of it. I'm still not a fan. It's I've gone on this tangent multiple times. I don't like this rule. Yeah, the only temporary rule I liked was the universal DH. I think that was the one that made the most sense. But And, know. again, that was the one rule they decided not to bring back. Yep. Again, uh, Rob Manfred, what were you thinking? I, I just don't get it. But nevertheless, it was an amazing series. And this series is just one of those reasons why I really enjoy watching baseball as a whole. Yeah. Now, let's go to another pitcher in the in the same division, actually. And speaking of the rule changes, Madison, Madison Bumgarner, 7-0 no hitter. I, I'm going to go out and say this. I'm not even going to, like, give you a whole beat around the bush like argument, I think it should count. And why do I say that? True, it wasn't a nine inning no hitter, but the fact of the matter is, they made the rules that d- that double hitter should be seven innings. Like, if you're going to make that rule, you shouldn't just penalize a pitcher for not pitching a full nine inning game just because of that. Like that, yeah, I don't see that logic. And you know, it doesn't make sense for Rob Manfred to decide, oh, let's not even let's not even make this a big rule in in baseball. Like, let's 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 
let's not even recognize it as a no hitter. Like, come on, you're going to, you're going to take away a no hitter from Madison Baumgartner. And I think you're really cheating him out of something that's like, that could, that could very well get him into the hall of fame too. It's a really good accomplishment pitching a no hitter. You're going to cheat him out of that, but yet you're going to, oh yes, I'm going to go there. You're going to let the Astros world series title stand. And you're going to also let a 60 yet a world series championship in a 60 game season, which show me wrong. I don't think that's as tainted as the first thing I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't think it's tainted at all. It was just the way the rules were. Yep. But the fact that those teams won under weird circumstances, but yet you're going to take away a no hitter for something like that. How unfair is that? It's totally unfair. You know, I mean, it just stinks that it couldn't be a full nine inning no hitter. But at the same time, I know it should count. It should definitely count. But I think at this point, it's a new rule. It should be a new category. Like guys who pitch seven inning no hitters. Where I think, honestly, I mean, it's just tough. I think if a pitcher is going nine clean innings, not giving up a hit or giving up anything at all, I think at that point, a rule should be, you know, now you could extend the game an extra two innings to see if he could complete the no hitter or complete the perfect game. You know, I, I don't know how that could work. You know, but I think that would be that's a way to solve that. It's either that or you just you know put a different cat in a different category if this is going to be a new rule. You know, new rule, new category. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And um, there's one more segment I want to get into, and I don't know if I'd call this a segment so much as I'd call this a little game with you. Let's play okay. uh, pretender or contender. I like this. So I'm going to give you a list of teams, and I want you to tell me whether you think they're pretender or contender, and I'll give my opinion too, obviously, but um, Sounds I good. think the first team that I'm going to start off with is the uh, Boston Red Sox. Okay. I think the Red Sox, although they've had a hot start, I'm going to say pretender. I just do not think they have enough. You know, like, you know, before the year started and kind of looking at the roster, their lineup is not bad at all. That's actually a pretty good lineup, especially like Bobby Dalback supposed to be a big time power hitter. They're at first base. Um, like you said, Xander Bogarts is – doesn't get talked about enough, but he's very solid. Rafael Devers is an RBI machine. Uh, Christian Vasquez is kind of coming into his own as a pretty good uh, hitting catcher as well. I think their lineup is good. It's just I do not trust the pitching. I do not trust the bullpen. Ed- Eduardo Rodriguez, I think you know he's another guy that's actually a very underrated pitcher. I think he's going to get a huge payday. I think his contract is coming up after this year. He has to get that renewed or he'll become a free agent. But um, – Chris Sale, once Chris Sale comes back, I don't know what we're going to see with Chris Sale. I don't like Garrett Richards. He's very hit or miss. He misses a lot usually. Um, I I would say the Red Sox are a pretender. I'm going to say, I'm going to kind of go in the middle. Like, I'm going to slightly lean toward contender for the fact that their lineup is really good, even with with the loss of Mookie Betts. How many times have I been saying that when talking about them this year? But (laughs) <laughs> I, at the same time, I think they're definitely more dangerous than people realize. And remember, I said when previewing the season, I said they were going to finish in first place and not first third place. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people probably thought that was a bit of a stretch considering what happened to them the year before and in, in the shortened 2020 season. But let's also not forget they're probably, they're going to get back Chris Sale. I think that offense will definitely win them more ball games, but I'm going to say they're just barely a pretender. I think they just missed out on a wild card spot. I'm not so sure they're for real yet, but I think they're kind of on the rise though. Don't get me wrong. I I think they're they're going to be a team that we're going to be fearing for like the next few years. Make Mm no mistake. Uh, Next team. I want to give you Toronto blue Jays. 
Uh, Toronto Blue Jays, I would say contender. I think their lineup, that is a lineup that is dangerous. That's going to give us a ton of problems, and we've already seen it already. Um, Vlad Jr. is amazing. Their pitching, too, honestly, starting pitching is very solid. Um, Hunjin Ryu, he's clearly the number one. He's great. Steven Matz has been phenomenal since he um, became a Toronto Blue Jay. Uh, they have Robbie Ray. Uh, I, I really I like their rotation. Their bullpen, too, is, is pretty solid. I think maybe toward the trade deadline they make a splash to get another reliever or two, but definitely contender t- for me. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. I know they're kind of in the middle, but when George Springer comes back, that's going to be a lineup that yep. definitely definitely have to be careful with. And even scarier. I, I'm envious of their lineup, too, because it's kind of a spray-the-ball-to-all-fields lineup, kind of like what yes. the Astros – I hate to compare use that comparison, by the way, but it's the truth. They don't really rely on the home run. They get the time we hit when needed, so I agree with that. They're definitely yeah. a contender, and I definitely think – regardless of how the Yankees do, I think they're definitely – going to be in the mix for the AL East by far without yeah. a doubt and now next team let's go to the AL Central Kansas City Royals believe it or not they actually have the best record in baseball mm-hmm. I know the Dodgers I know the Dodgers had one more win but I or I think they had one more loss they were tied tied for wins but I think the Royals are just ahead with best record in the as John Sterling likes to say the all-important loss column <laughs> do you think they are for real or do you think or do you not think that that can be be sustained you know what? You may be shocked by this. I think they are absolutely a contender. And I say that because, you know, uh, uh, one of the guys here on Review and Preview, Paul Lombardi, he said it way earlier, too. The Royals have a very sneaky lineup, and he is right. Jared Carabas said the same thing a while ago. The Royals have a very sneaky lineup, and they do. You know, Hunter Dozier's had a slow start, but look at other guys like Carl and, and Andrew Benintendi's had a very slow start too, but he is a guy, look what he did in Boston. I think he will pick it up. Granted, he had a pretty bad year last year, but it was a shortened season. I think he's a guy who was very capable of, you know, figuring it out. And they didn't go, really give up anything for Benintendi. If he goes back to the Boston Red Sox Benintendi, they have a very good hitter there. Michael A. Taylor, he's been phenomenal with the Royals. Carlos Santana has been so good. That was such an underrated signing. He's been huge in that lineup. He's been on fire. Salvi Perez, if he's healthy, and he's healthy right now, he is one of the best catchers in the game. They have so Whit Merrifield is one of my favorite players in baseball because yes. year after year, he consistently contributes. He hits. He hits for power sometimes. He's great at defense. He can play the outfield, play the infield. He does it all. I, I love the guy. And I think even their rotation too, Brady Singer's finally up. He was one of their best pitching prospects. He's had a very strong start so far. I think they have some pretty good quality ball players. Have, have They've had a strong start. And I say this because the AL Central is, I think, up for grabs. The, in, the, the Indians are, I think they're still a good team, but they're not obviously as great as they used to be. The Twins bullpen is pretty bad so far. And obviously – the Twins are, once again, they're kind of like like the Yankees. They're just a very heavy home run hitting team. If they don't have guys hitting for power, it's it's a tough team. The rotation, Jose Barros is great, but other than Barrios, who else do they have that's reliable? You know, I think that division is wide open. I think the Royals, they keep this up. And Mike Matheny, too, he's a great manager. I think they're, I think they're, they're set up for success. I mean, I know Matheny kind of had his struggles at the end of, Saint, of his time in St. Louis, but that having been said, I agree. I think the Royals are definitely low key, a really dangerous team. I loved, I love that they stole Andrew Benintendi. I mean, they I did. Thought it was, yeah. frankly, I kind of thought it was a little odd that the Red Sox were kind of giving up on him so soon after like after one really bad season that was shortened by sixty games. Like I yeah. thought that was kind of foolish. But as you said, Whit Merrifield, 
I would say he's the most underrated baseball player. And actually, I'm going to go on a limb and say the best. I'm going to go on a limb and say he's the best player that doesn't get talked about enough. He's consistently among the lead leaders in batting averages year after year. Yeah. Like, and you got to give, you got to give Dayton more credit. I mean, this is a guy that took over a Royal team in 2006 that were among the worst in the league. And he transformed them into a world series team. And obviously they kind of went back to the point where they had to sell off a lot of their key players from that team. But yep. even Salabir Perez has kind of had a nice rejuvenation and I could definitely see the Royals picking it up. Well, and I was about to ask you about the Chicago White Sox. I I still see them as a contender, but I think they're really the only team that can legitimately be a threat to the Kansas City Royals at this point. Because as you said, the Twins are a worse version of the Yankees with their lineup. And yeah. the and then uh, who, who am I missing? The Detroit Tigers, they're in a rebuild. You know yeah, they're in a rebuild. So I'm, I'm going to go with contender. What, what was your take on the White Sox, by the way? Are they a pretender or contender? I don't know if you mentioned this in your little – They'll talk about the Royals. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think that division is wide open. I mean, lose the White Sox losing Eloy Jimenez is huge, but they've you know if their pitching holds up and it's been looking very good so far. Carlos Rodon has been very good so far, and he was a few years ago was one of the top prospects in their system, and now he's finally kind of showing some life. Uh, Giolito is very good. You know, I think the White Sox are a contender, but I think it's also they're kind of in the middle. But I, I would lean more towards contender because. Their bullpen too is like besides Liam Hendricks, it's been kind of iffy too. So I mean, I think they had the lineup. Obviously, it's not as strong without Eloy Jimenez, but I think the biggest thing is they have the pitching. They definitely have the best pitching that in that division. So I would say contenders, but slightly. Definitely. And uh, let's go over to the ALS. So I've got two teams for this one. Oakland A's. I think I know what you might say. I'm going to say personally for what I think about the A's. I think they're somewhat contenders. My only concern is their offense. They're another team that's like the Yankees. They kind of rely on the home run a little too much. But yeah. there's a reason they're always like ranked among like the better teams in the league. Like I think they're a contender. But uh, the real team I should ask you about is the Seattle Mariners because they're not too far behind the Oakland A's. So what's your take on them? On Seattle, I would say clearly, uh, I would say pretenders. They just – they've had – you know, they've done this all like – the past couple of years, they've always had a very strong start, like the first month. I think it's going to, they're going to slow down. They don't have enough. They have um, very good prospects coming. Obviously, Kalenic is the guy who everyone's looking at. Kyle Lewis is good. Uh, I just do not think they have enough, especially starting pitching wise. Mark Gonzalez is just not going to get it done. You know, I don't, I just don't think they have enough. They're a pretender. Yeah, I hate to say this, but I agree. Like, I can't really trust the Mariners. They always get off to those fast starts, but, you know, they always prove for that. They always prove they're smoking mirrors. And by the way, before I get to my next team, I got a little score update for you. Yankees are up five nothing right now in the top of the th- in the uh, middle of the third inning. Actually, Mike Ford hit another home run. Wow, Gio, my favorite Yankee, by the way, Gio Rochella just hit a three run home run. So nice. Five, there you go. Up five nothing. You love to see it. And um, anyways, next team, and this has been an intriguing team for me. The Milwaukee Brewers. They're in first place right now. A lot of people said the the NL Central was going to be one of the more weaker divisions in the league, and I think they're an interesting story too because Corbin Burns, Corbin Burns especially, he's been absolutely filthy, and I can't believe that guy had an ERA in the eights a couple years ago. Yeah, it's amazing, and uh, they they had other solid acquisitions like Colton Wong and Jackie Bradley Jr. Obviously, they're not one of the big spenders, but 
they'll definitely do what it takes to be competitive. And you still got Yelich in that lineup. So I think they could definitely be speak sneaky. Are the Cardinals going to overtake them? I'm still thinking that's probably going to be the case. But what say you, Dom? For the Brewers, I think I'm kind of in the boat of that I'm leaning more towards contenders because I think they're a very underrated team. Kind of like you said, Corbin Burns had like an ADRA at one point. Um, and I, th- I don't think anyone expected him to kind of burst on the scene and have this kind of filthy stuff. And what I've been saying for years with the Brewers, they have, I feel like they've always had such a dynamic lineup, very good bullpen, but they've never had that starter that's like lights out that they can rely on. Corbin Burns turns out to be that number one dominant guy. And they have guys behind him in that rotation that are at least solid with Devin Williams, who he's like throwing Frisbees out there. His stuff moves like crazy. I I love Devin Williams. I love Josh Hader. And once again, Yelich, slow start. He'll get it going. I like that lineup. I would lean definitely towards contenders for them. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And um, I've got a few more before we uh, wrap the show up. Um, So obviously I'm going to go into the NL West. I would say, L.A. Dodgers. Oh, no, I'm kidding. Obviously, you know the answer. They're a contender for sure. No, I'm kidding. They're not a pretender. They're a contender. They're a contender. It's the defending world champions. You really think I'm going to say otherwise? I don't care that they lost three in a row. They're fine. I mean, hey, you could, but, you know, <laughs> it'd be kind of tough no, to defend it. No, they're, they're extremely talented. I'm not worried about them in the slightest. However, there has been a third team that is emerging into the NOS discussion. Obviously, there's the San Diego Padres. I'm going to say straight up right now, I still think they're a contender. I know 100%. I know they're like just a little bit over 500. They've kind of been treading water looking past that Dodgers series, but you know that they're too talented of a team for me to not think that they'll be in the mix. Although, ultimately, I unfortunately don't know if they have enough power to overtake the Dodgers. But then we get to the San Francisco Giants. That's a team that's been kind of unexpected. They're in third place and Hey, say, regardless of whether he was saying this out of pure bias or whether he was saying it out of, um, you know, from his heart or what he saw in the Giants, Josh was on to something when he said on the first episode that the Giants would probably be a surprise team in the mix for that division. You know, it's, it's tough because, like you said, the Padres have so much talent, the Dodgers have so much talent, and the Giants you really don't think much about because – they're still kind of in rebuild mode. They still have um, Brandon Bell, Brandon Crawford, and all those guys still on the team, Johnny Cueto. But, I mean, I think it's it's too early, and I just feel like, you know, they're, they're definitely a surprise team. I think I, – I like where they're heading towards, and they, you know, they've, they have one of the best records in baseball as of right now. But I do think it's too early. I can't, I can't say they're contenders right now, but – I think that they're definitely heading in the right direction. I, I actually kind of, I really do like what they're doing right now. And of course, they took our guy uh, Mike Talkman. So hey, if the Giants make a run and Talkman does something with that, that'd be pretty cool to see. Yeah, again, I'm still annoyed the Yankees traded him. Not so much that they traded him, but why'd you why'd you have to like get rid of him for a relief pitcher? They're they're deep enough in that area already as it is. If anything, you trade for a lefty bat. I don't understand why you would why you would think you need another le- a lefty arm in the bullpen, but you know. I yeah. guess it is what it is. Yeah, and uh, hey, Tom, good for you, man. Geo, Geo's a good guy to have on your team. Like, I know he's not yeah. one of the bigger names, like, among third basemen, but I'll tell you what, he's definitely someone who I'm glad the Yankees have in their life. He's really the only guy that's hitting on a consistent basis and, right you know, now. He's another guy, too. He's got a great personality. Love guys like that. And he's, you know, oh, yeah. he, he, always, he always got a smile on his face. He's always having fun. That's what you like to see. That's why I love Geo. 
Well, not to mention, I if you notice the pattern with me and some of my favorite Yankees, I always tend to like the guy who's like the unsung hero or the guy that's underappreciated. Like, like I know you were the same way, but I loved Didi when he came because he wasn't really a guy that was getting a lot of recognition at first. Yep. And I was happy for him when he slowly became a star, and I still wish he was on the team. I still think I do too. use him right now as we speak. But uh, now Gio Rochelle has become another one in the trend of uh, underrated Yankees. So yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. And um, yeah, and uh, obviously there's two more. Actually, I lied. There's two more contenders or pretenders. Uh, Yankees and the Mets. Uh, Mets, I, I still think they're a contender. I know that they're off to a midling start, but I'm not, I'm not worried about them in the slightest. I think they'll be fine. Yankees, though, I, need to, I just have to ask you for the sake of the show. Yeah. I would, I would make this quick. I think for both, they are contenders. I think, once again, like, you know, everyone's having a slow start. I think, I believe in the bats, they will wake up and they will figure it out. I'm only kind of iffy about the pitching, but hey, we have Garrett Cole. I'm happy about that. And we have to just hope that some other guys like Kluber steps up and Tyon steps up. And when Severino comes back, he could give us some quality starting pitching. But I think both Mets and Yankees will be contenders this year. Yeah, I, I agree. I just wanted to... I just wanted to end it on there, and um, yeah. Before I head out, I just uh, want to let I you miss know, me so much. Yeah, he he was the heart and soul, and I really feel like our leadership has ne- or lack thereof has never really been the same. And um, before I sign off, I just want to ask you: Is there any last thoughts you have, like with regards to baseball about the season or just anything in general? I think so far it's been. A really interesting season. It's got a lot of people talking with, you know, the Mets kind of making all these moves in the offseason. And look what they're at now. Padres and Dodgers have been, it's been an awesome series. And a lot of teams that are underrated, like the Brewers, have been showing a lot of, you know, firepower. I think this is just going to be a very good year. I think we should expect a lot of really good things. Yeah, no, and I'm glad we got to play this game because sometimes April can – sometimes the month of April, even though it's early, you can really get a good gauge of how you can see – certain teams doing early in the season. And sometimes you can tell who really who will and who won't be a factor. I think the Yankees obviously will bounce back. Don't get me wrong. I don't necessarily like the way they're built right now, the way the lineup is, but I do think there are some pitchers that can emerge as true, like star, like stalwarts later in the season, if that's a good word yeah. to use. And I think eventually they'll turn things around. I just don't know how that's going to translate come October, but yeah, anyways, probably. Anyways, that will about wrap it up for our show. Make sure to make sure to give us a like on all our forms of social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And of course, do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And before I head out, there's another plug I would like to make. As we know, this week is the NFL draft. And uh, let me show you this Friday. We've got an NFL draft special on review and preview. Yours truly may or may not make an appearance talking about the Giants briefly, but all I know is it'll be a lot of fun. And uh, in addition, the reason that I'm doing the show today, obviously, is because the draft is tomorrow. So if you want to check me out on the brew party, I will be, me and Tom from uh, Reeve Preview will be with Sam Cardona of the Girl Who Talks Sports and Andy Hopper of the brew party. So that is going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait. And um, that's a, that's pretty much going to do it for uh, hitting for the cycle. Till next week, I'm your host, Hank Dichter. And on behalf of Don Bagnelli, we'll see you around.